0: God, we thank you that we can come here this morning. God, that we can come and bring you our praise and our worship. God, I thank you for this time where, as we sing to you, our body and our soul and our spirit are in harmony. And that's why it feels so good to us when we have those three things in harmony, worshiping you, the thing that we were created for. God, we. We know that our praises are for you, but it still feels so good to us. God, we thank you for that uh, just exquisite feeling that we get when we are in harmony with you, when we are in communion with you. God, we thank you for this special sense of your presence here this morning. God, we thank you way that you love us, the way that you loved us so much, that you call us into this relationship. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your sacrifice for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Just take a moment to say good day to people around you. And good morning to our online community at home. Very special welcome to you as well. We're so pleased to have you here. Maybe you can uh, take this next few minutes just to chat with us a little bit and let us know that you're here this morning. Um, We'd just love to know who's joining with us. So whichever platform you're on, uh, make sure that you connect with us. Say hi in the chat. Um, Ask a question. Leave a comment, something, just so that we know you're here. And also make use of our online cards as well during this time. That would be great. Thank you. All right, you can take a seat. You can continue those conversations that you just started over a cup of tea or coffee after the service. So um, make sure you catch up with that person that you were just chatting with. Welcome to church this morning. A special welcome if it's your first Sunday. Um, We'd love to get to know you better over a cup of tea or coffee, so take a right as you leave the worship centre and we'll catch up with you in there. Hopefully by now everybody in this building has checked in using our check-in as well uh, as the QR code. So we sort of have to do two things at the moment and I know that you people are responsible uh, grown-ups and you can do that. Um, so make sure you check in for us and also for the government as well. That'd be fantastic. SPC Kids is back today.
1: Yes.
0: How fun is that? So all the kids are back at school. They will have had a fantastic week back doing all the things that they do at school and yeah, SBC Kids is on. So um, if that's for you, there will be a banner that goes up that tells you when to go out. So um, yeah, wait for that. Um, Crochet is on now as we speak for the real little ones. Youth is also back on. It started already, so it's it's definitely well and truly back on, uh, so you can check out uh, any questions that you have with our super cool youth team, it says that on here, so it must be true. Another thing which has started this week and is also starting on Sunday is our two Alpha courses, uh, so one starting in Locksport, which went really well on Wednesday, and then we have another course which is starting in sale on Sunday night next week, so week today, um, And really, Alpha is... For anyone, um, it's for people who uh, don't have faith yet, so it helps them to answer some questions. It's good for new Christians as well to, you know, answer some of the questions that you have. It's good for people who've been Christians a really long time as well. Um, so if you would struggle to articulate your faith to someone, or if, you know, they asked you a question, you would struggle to answer it, maybe Alpha is the right course for you and it's not too late to sign up. It just does go over some of the real basics but in a really helpful way so that you would then be able to share that with your friends Um, so consider signing up It's great that people have been recommending this and so we have some people signed up to do this who aren't connected with our church at all, which is fabulous. That's exactly what we want. So take this week, see who it is that you can invite or suggest this to, offer to do it with them. If you think that that would really help them, it will help you as well. So um, yeah, just make sure you sign up on the uh, Church Centre app. You can register for that. Um, so we are going to pray and I was just going to say a little something about prayer which occurred to me over the last week or so which is one of my weirdnesses that I'll share with you um, and when, when I pray like often we close our eyes when we pray and um, even when I'm at home sometimes and there is nothing happening around me, I'm just by myself, I put my hands over my eyes like I Shove my little fists into my eye sockets and um, and I just thought, Why do I do that? why What is the story with that and um, so I think it 's because sometimes it 's hard to focus, and um, it 's for me it 's a real helpful way of focusing. Ladies, you need to do this before you put your makeup on in the morning so um, it's a really, yeah, just a, a way of helping me to focus and to to not see with my physical eyes because sometimes we're so busy seeing everything with our physical eyes and we need to see with our spiritual eyes when we're praying. We need to be able to believe... Uh, and not be distracted by uh, anything that's going on around us. So bearing all that in mind and remembering uh, one of our values, which is uh, we are a praying people, believing for the impossible, um, let's join in prayer together. And I'll get you to stand uh, while we do that. So we've got some church family people who are... You know, needing a healing touch from God, people who are struggling uh, with health things, and just a need which um, I just have got permission to share with you this morning. So I might get emotional, but anyway, it's all right, we can do that. So um, we have a family connected with our church and the Shumsky family. Uh, lots of you will know the Shumskys, and their elder boy, Spencer, has struggled. Uh, for many years with some issues and he has tried to harm himself uh, previously and just last night he had a really decent go. Um, so we've been praying for him overnight and um, Ricky said that she would like congregational prayer for him this morning. This guy is in deep trouble Um so overnight obviously things haven't improved so we are going to join together there are other prayer needs we have but we're going to focus on spencer this morning because he is a precious young man and he has god has a plan for him for sure and let's believe that it's not finished yet okay so let's join together to pray for uh, spencer God, we thank you for this family that you've called us into. God, we bring before you uh, many members of our family, but in particular the Shumskys this morning, God. We know that you know everything about that situation. You know where he's at. You know what he's done. God, we thank you for that precious family. God, we thank you that, Sh- that Spencer has such a supportive family around him that love him. And God, we know that you love him even more than they do. God, we pray that you be at work in his body right now because he needs an urgent, urgent touch from you this morning. God, I pray that you can undo the damage that has been done in his body. God, we know that you know every cell of Spencer's body because you put it there and that you are the God of the impossible, that when everything seems like it's lost, that that is when you do your finest work. So we believe you for that this morning, God, that you can come into his body, that you can put right what is wrong, and that you can help him to walk out of this situation into a life that you have created him for. God, we thank you for the way that you love him thank you for the way that you have carried him through in the past and we pray that that will happen again today God we pray that the whole family will feel a real special touch of your peace and your love where they are right now and we join with other churches around sale who are also praying for Spencer this morning God we we just ask that your will be done in his life We thank you for Spencer. We thank you for his parents whose hearts are breaking. I pray that you minister to them all in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Legacy. In the last two weeks, we have considered the words of Jesus and his works. Today, we focus on his ways. What does it mean to understand the ways of Jesus? I believe this is to understand his heart, his very essence of being. It is Christ's ways that inform and motivate his words and his works. Tom is going to be sharing shortly to expand on this. However, my focus will be to briefly examine the ways of Jesus in the light of today, Anzac Day. Most of you know me as Phil, a member of this church and the guy who serves in the music team. But today I stand before you as Flight Lieutenant Philip Tweed, Operations Officer at Officer's Training School at RAF Base East Sale. I'm an officer in the Royal Australian Air Force, a proud member of the Australian Defence Force. I'm honoured and humbled to stand here today before you to speak on their behalf. Today is Anzac Day, a day in which Australia pauses to consider and remember the service of those who are part of the armed forces, both past and present. Thousands have died in pursuit of a vision to provide freedom against tyranny and oppression, to join with other armed forces and countries to create and maintain a society and freedoms that we often take for granted. If you visit the Australian War Memorial in Canberra, the focus is not to glorify war, but to remember. Today we remember the sacrifices of those who laid down their lives for their country and for their friends. For in remembering the past, The atrocities and horrors, the destruction, death and senselessness of war. We make informed decisions about our present, recognizing the extremes that led to war so that we can avoid them in the future. Today Australians are asked to take time to pause and reflect on the service and sacrifice of the over 102,000 Australians who have died in wars, conflicts and peacekeeping operations. Every state and territory today are holding ceremonies to commemorate And remember those who have fallen. So on Anzac Day, what is it about the life and ways of Jesus that we can learn from to make the connection between what we believe as Christians and remembering those who have served? As Brad has said over the last two weeks, we discover who we are when we discover who he is. I'd like to briefly explore this idea a little further and approach it slightly differently. You cannot truly know who you are until you know who he is. Today, our world seems to be going through a collective identity crisis. With this in mind, our focus on who Jesus is, which is really the foundation of Christianity, is absolutely and vitally important. So I ask this question, do you want to know who you are? I ask everyone here today, whether you are old or young or middle-aged, I ask if you are at school or a university, you have worked hard for years, you who have families, you who are elderly, do you want to know who you are? You cannot truly know who you are until you know who he is. So let's focus on Jesus. Jesus understood military authority and equated it to great faith. The Roman centurion in Luke 7 knew who he was. In verses 6 to 10 it says, "'So Jesus went with them. "'He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, "'Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. "'That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. "'But say the word, and my servant will be healed. "'For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. "'I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes.'" I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Jesus hears the understanding of authority from the centurion, a military man, and calls it great faith. In the ADF, we are under military law. That means that if a lawful command is given by a superior ranked member that is disobeyed, there are severe consequences. There is a reason, however, for this expectation of an order being obeyed, because in the military lives are often on the line. And if an order doesn't get obeyed, in some circumstances people can die. Jesus was amazed at the centurion's faith because it was his understanding of military authority that informed his understanding of who Jesus was. Because he knew who Jesus was, he knew he could trust whatever Jesus said. He recognized that Jesus carried the authority of God. All Jesus needed to do was say the word. As Christians, we need to exercise our faith and bring it to the level of great faith by understanding that if Jesus says something, it will happen. He is true to his word. He will do what he says he will do. God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. We must hold firm to this anchor for our soul when all the circumstances seem to raid against us, that God will do what he has promised. His way is that he keeps his word. Mateship and love. In the armed forces, there is a great emphasis placed on mateship. In Australia, this is especially significant. Jesus understood mateship... He took time to focus on relationship with those called his disciples and made time for those whom society had rejected. On Anzac Day, we remember mates who have fallen and those we have served with. Jesus says in John 15, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, which is quoted every Anzac Day at every commemoration ceremony. And he also says in John 13, as I have loved you, so you must also love each other. Truly understanding the greatest act of love the world has ever seen and will ever witness the sacrifice of Christ, a sinless man who willingly laid down his life to save a world of people who were lost and did not deserve it. Truly today on Anzac Day, this act of love is such that it inspires the same sense of self-sacrifice that motivated those on the fields of battle who laid down their lives for their friends. His way is that he loves It is with the greatest respect that I draw the parallel between the spirit of the Anzac and the spirit of Christ. Today, we remember, as the ode says, they shall not grow old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them, lest we forget As Christians, each time we eat the bread and drink the cup of communion, we also remember the ultimate sacrifice of Christ. We pause to consider his great love for us, even though we were lost in our sinfulness. We remember that we are fallen and sinful, but his sacrifice and resurrection has made us whole again, lest we forget. Today, we remember the Anzac who faced the worst of what humans can do in war with senseless violence. We also remember Christ who suffered so terribly at the hands of the Romans and the Jews before succumbing to death. Such violence, pain and suffering causes the Australian public to stop, pause and pay respect to those who serve and Christ himself is the greatest servant of all. His way is that he served. Jesus served, he washed feet, even when he was exhausted, he healed, he delivered, he brought peace, he challenged the religious and political leaders of the day. He challenged the common wisdom of society. You have heard it said, but I say to you, where are those brave enough today to stand against the tide to speak up for those who are poor and broken, to cross the gulf that separates the unholy from the holy? to befriend those whom society has discarded, and to elevate them to positions of honor, to actively seek out the sinners, prostitutes, those despised by society, and treat them with honor and respect, to give them a sense of self-worth, and to set them free from bondage. Where are they? It is you and I who must carry on this advocacy for those, those whom society has rejected. When Jesus ascended, he left his followers with the charge to continue the work he had begun. His way is that he bound up the brokenhearted and gave dignity to those who were downtrodden. Christ's ways are such that his followers must walk in his ways to be truly called his followers. This is the Jesus we worship. These are the ways of Jesus. Truly, when we have a revelation of who he is, we will know who we are. Discovering Jesus' identity will result in us discovering our identity. This is the church that I want to be a part of. A revolutionary force armed with spiritual weapons that radically separates itself from the normal way of the world that says look after number one. The Australian Defence Force reflects the same spirit in its humanitarian efforts. We have so many operations in which Australia gives extensive support and relief to both Australians and other countries who have experienced disaster. From national flood, fire relief, to tsunamis in Japan, earthquakes in New Zealand, and so many more. The ADF puts this act of compassion into action. As James says, I will show you my faith by what I do. Our role as Christians also exemplifies this. Our faith is outworked in action. Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. You cannot profess to have the love of Christ live in your heart and not have it worked out in action and service to others. Mateship, service, love, honor, and sacrifice. These values that are exemplified and remembered in the spirit of the Anzac are found in Jesus. Today we honor those who have fallen, those who serve, but the greatest honor of all should go to the one who laid down his life. Truly he bore our sins and made a way for each of us to know the love of God. In this brief time i have attempted to draw a correlation between the spirit of the anzac and the spirit of christ as a proud officer in the RAAF, i see my service to my country as a reflection of who christ is thank you
2: god we we just praise you that you are so good to us that you've brought us from our, our unworthy state before you to being called sons and daughters of your name God, we thank you that you have given us this opportunity for fellowship with you, with your Father, with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we just worship you. We give our thanks to you. Would you help us to be attentive to what you have to say in your word to us this morning? Would you help us to have ears to hear? And would you help us to sink deep into our hearts so that we would take it with us as we go out this week? Son's mighty precious name. Amen. Amen. Grab a seat, everyone. It's good to see you here this morning. Um, If you're in the building, if you're online, it's very, very good to have you with us. Um, If this is your first time here, then a very, very special welcome to you. Um, It's so good to have you worshipping with us this morning and joining in our our service. Um, I've got good news for you this morning. Uh, I'm preaching, obviously. I'm the one with the microphone. Well done. It's good, not not just because of that, but I mean, I'm saving you from a week of hearing about house renovations and kids <laughs> running amok. Mark... Yeah. Thanks, Brad, for playing keys, by the way. That's uh, <laughs> it's really good. Uh, anyway, anyway, no, I'm, I'm not not being that that serious. Uh, how can I speak after those wonderful words that you said there, Phil? That's incredible. You've stolen about half my message, so um, thanks very much for that as well. No, it's, it's very good to, to reflect on the, the spirit of the Anzacs and the spirit of, of Christ being, in a lot of ways, very, very similar. Um, like Phil was saying, we have heard in the last couple of weeks about the, the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus. Um, yet again, closing off another series... So this week we're going to be talking about the ways of Jesus. So if you weren't here for the last couple of weeks, um, Brad was speaking about the the words of Jesus. Uh, So imitating Jesus in the way that we speak, imitating Jesus in the way that we we act in in our lives, having our words transformed into words of life, and and listening, loving, and leading people in the way that we act towards them. Um, And the, the big phrase that we want to really... Uh, drill into you for the the series is that we discover who we are when we discover who he is. We discover who we are as individuals as we discover who Jesus is. Uh, So this is the, the core thing about Christianity. Like This is the journey that we are all on together as Christians is to become more and more like Jesus every day. And especially in these three areas, they cover off a lot of our, our lives, our words, our works and our ways. So this morning, we're talking about the, the ways of Jesus. So what do we actually mean by ways of Jesus? Um, I know when, when I think of the ways of Jesus, I think of the, the rhythms of life, You know the, the patterns of living that, that Jesus would have done. You could almost call them the, the unexceptional parts of Jesus' life. I mean, he spoke powerfully and authoritatively That's probably not a word, but oh well. Um, He spoke with power and authority. And, you know, he did miracles and healings and and cast out demons. Really exceptional parts of his life. But then the the ways are almost those in-between times. Those times where he's just going around and uh, nothing super exciting, super life-changing is happening. Or or so so you think. So, uh, one of the more obvious Things that you'd probably think of when it comes to the ways of Jesus is the way that Jesus would often withdraw and often spend time with God. And this is super important. I mean, Jesus had to do it so that he could recharge, he could spend time with the Father, he could dwell on the Word and pray with Him. And so it's so important for us to do that as well. I mean, we can't be going, 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 going all the time. Like, we need to stop, we need to spend time in Scripture. Um, proper reflection on Scripture, and we need that regular prayer and communication with God, one on one. We need to spend that time with God to look after ourselves spiritually. Um, Charles Spurgeon once was asked, "Which is more important, Bible reading or praying?" And to which he answered, "Which one's more important, breathing in or breathing out?" It's so essential to powering the body. I mean, it's like the the breath in our lungs. I mean, you, you can't be a Christian and not spend time with the Bible. You can't be a Christian and not spend time with God. They're transforming our, our lives and they're giving us the power to go out and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the world around us. So that's, that's one, one aspect of the way, ways of Jesus. Probably one of the ones which came to my head first. Um, but like many other things in my life, I just wanted to make it hard on myself. So... Um, uh, I want to spend some time talking about something a, a little different this morning, something else, um, which is equally apparent in the Gospels that we see Jesus doing. And it's the, the times that Jesus stopped and, and ate with people, Jesus' eating habits, right? Unexceptional, everyone eats. Um, I hope, I hope everyone eats. Who had, who had breakfast this morning? Hands up. A lot, okay. Get one up on me. I uh, did not have breakfast this morning, unless you count coffee as breakfast. Anyway I'll get on to it I'll get on with it uh, so the, the way that we see Jesus eating in the Gospels uh, tells us something significant about how we should be going about our lives as Christians so let me read to you uh, quickly from Luke chapter five verses 27 to 32 Luke 527 to 32 after this Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth follow me Jesus said to him and Levi got up So meals within Jewish culture were, were very significant um, sort of affairs. I mean, often they were used to uh, ratify agreements between two people or to, to close business deals together. They would, would share a meal and you'd be showing who you would accept through who you would share a meal with. Um, Paul, later on in the New Testament, he has a, a big issue with the way that, that Peter does this. He writes to the Galatians and he's describing this problem that, that Peter's caused between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. Um, Peter was eating with the Gentiles whenever a Jewish a group of Christians weren't around, but once they came to town, he would separate himself from the Gentiles and he would eat at the, the Jewish Christian table instead rather than the, the Gentile Christian table. And so this caused other Jewish Christians to, to step away and, and do the same. I mean, he's like the first apostle, right? Right and he's separating himself to eat with, with the Jewish Christians. So Peter was worried about the, what the Jewish Christians would think of him um, if he was caught eating with the Gentiles. Typically, Gentiles and, and Jews don't eat together. But in this brand new way of doing things, in this Christian movement, suddenly those sorts of divides had been broken down a little bit, and they, they were sharing meals. And, and Paul just out and out calls Peter a little bit of a hypocrite by by eating with the Gentiles when no one's watching, and then swapping over to the Jews when there are Jews around. So let's contrast this to how Jesus acted in the Gospel, though. So Luke 5, it shows us uh, that Jesus was eating with tax collectors and with sinners. Engaging from the reaction that the Pharisees had to Jesus eating with these types of people, you could tell that this isn't the first time that this happened. Has happened. It's not just some one off event. A lot of the, the commentators that I was reading picked up on the, the fact that if it was probably a once off, the Pharisees might not mention it. But this seems to be a why does he keep on eating with tax collectors and sinners? The Pharisees are upset because it appears that Jesus is accepting the sinners that he is eating with. He's accepting the people that he's eating with. So, on the one hand, the Pharisees have got it. Absolutely right. I don't know why I wrote on the one hand, I got rid of the other bit. The the Pharisees got it exactly right. Jesus is accepting the people that he's eating with. That's exactly what he's showing here. The main lesson from this passage is that Jesus offers acceptance to those who are socially displaced, to those who are culturally displaced. The tax collectors were a hated group of people by the, the Jews, but yet Jesus has offered them opportunity for fellowship with God. As if they weren't hated, as if they weren't culturally or socially displaced. the tax collectors as humans, as people found in the image of God, as made in the image of God, found acceptance with Jesus, who freely moved on to say that these were the people that he had come to earth for. These were the people he'd come to save, not the righteous, but the sinners. We can see that in that famous verse in a uh, famous couple of verses in verses 31 to 32. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come for the righteous, but to call the sinners to repentance. I have not come for the righteous, but to call the sinners. Um, Luke's gospel is a little bit unique, though, in the way that it it doesn't just detail Jesus' meals with the tax collectors and the sinners. Matthew and Mark sometimes emphasize that a little bit more. Uh, But Luke's gospel contains a number of stories of Jesus even eating with the Pharisees. I mean, he doesn't just exclude the Pharisees because they're the Pharisees and they're supposed to be close to God, but he even eats with them as well. He attends their banquets, he attends their meals, and he's offering them that same freedom of opportunity to come to God that he was offering to the tax collectors. Obviously, at at these meals, he was saying something remarkably different and showing something remarkably different um, about how they were actually living their lives. Uh, so if you, you looked in Luke 11, there's a story of uh, of Jesus eating at the, the house of the, Pharise- the Pharisees and he describes three woes to the Pharisees. He starts speaking out against the way that they're living life, the way that they're dealing out justice, the way that they are blocking people from coming to God by the, their own hypocrisy. And then one of the, the scribes gets really brave and says, I mean, I know you're talking about the the Pharisees there but... You were getting pretty general towards the end there. Um, I mean, it kind of sounded like you were having a go at us too. And Jesus went, thanks for volunteering. Here's your round of three. And he he gives the scribes a round of three as well. Like, I mean, it's a real critique of the religious leaders of Israel. And he, he ends by saying that these scribes, these teachers of the law, have the keys to knowledge, but they don't use them. And they stop everyone else from knowing as well. They didn't enter into knowledge and they're stopping others from entering into knowledge as well. It's, it presents a little bit of a challenge for the church. I mean, we, we are the ones who are considered close to God. We are the ones who are considered sort of holier by society because we come to church on a Sunday. And so there is a danger that sometimes we get like that. Sometimes we get a little exclusive. Sometimes we get a little um, walls up, gatekeepery when, when we see other people trying to come in. And so there's a real challenge to be conscious of, of who we accept and who we don't accept in our congregation. The, the big point of, of Jesus going to these Pharisees, though, is that uh, although he's critiquing their life and although he's got a lot to say about how they're living, he still accepts them. And he still is offering them that freedom of opportunity. He's still op- offering them that opportunity for fellowship with God. So it brings me to my one point this morning. I've just got, got one big one. Who we accept exposes who we think God accepts. Who we accept exposes who we think God accepts. So Jesus went to everyone to eat. He went to eat with everyone: family, friends, strangers, those who were far off from God culturally and those who were culturally close to God. So we ought to act the same way in our own lives showing the world that we accept them and therefore that God accepts them as well. So one of the easiest ways to do this is to simply copy Jesus, to simply just do what he was doing in the Gospels here, to eat with different people, to share meals with different people, invite them to share in your life over food or like we've got happening today, to tea and coffee after the service or just a coffee down the street or... Share your life over something meaningful, something more meaningful than perhaps a g'day or a handshake in the foyer or a g'day and a handshake down the street. I mean, are we shaking hands these days? It's all changed. It's all changed. Um, but let's be honest with ourselves here. Like, we sometimes think that a handshake and a g'day is good enough. I know I certainly have in the past. I've thought, oh yeah, said hello. That's, that's enough. I've showed my acceptance of that person. But there's a far cry from that and from sharing a meal with someone, sharing in their life over food. Even today, there is something cultural about eating with people, and what that says not only to them, but what it says to the world around us as well. Something that a handshake just doesn't do. It shows genuine acceptance of that person as an individual. And it provides genuine opportunity for them to meet God and have fellowship with Him. And like Jesus, it's not just to our friends or not just to those who are already close to God or to those who you would expect that get that opportunity, but it is for everyone. That opportunity is for everyone. So, later on in Luke, in chapter 14, uh, Jesus tells the story of a wedding banquet and He's reflecting on on what the Kingdom of God is going to be like, what it's going to be like in the Kingdom of Heaven. Um, so you can read the whole story in Luke chapter 14, verses 1 to 24. I'd encourage you to read the whole story because, you know, it's all one big part of the dinner and it's moving from, from one stage to, to the next. And it really sets up the, the final verses, which are the the parable, starting at verse 15. I'll just quickly paraphrase it for you, though. So basically, a man is having a great banquet. Everything's ready and he sends out his servant to go and invite the people that he has invited to share in this banquet, all his friends, the business owners that he knows, you know, the, the people that you would expect to be invited to this banquet, he send, sends his servant to go collect them but all of them are too busy, they've got various things going on and so the servant comes back and then the man uh, asks the servant to go out to everyone who is poor, to go out to the streets and find everyone who is crippled, blind, lame and invite them in as well. But there's still room in this banquet, so he tells the servant again to go out, and basically just shout it from the rooftops, um, just get everybody you can in. Um, the ESV says to compel them to come. Like, it's very strong language that he's using, like basically, make them come to my banquet and fill up my hall. Get as many people into the banquet as possible. In one sense, when we read it in the context of the, the Bible, um, and it's It's sort of cultural surroundings. This is just Jesus shaming the Pharisees because God chose the Israelites first. God chose the Jews first, but they rejected him. And so now he's going out to the Gentiles. This makes sense with Luke's writing here and Luke's writing in Acts as well. We see the gospel going out to to everyone because Israel's rejected God. Um, In another sense though it sort of goes beyond that cultural context and we can even see that reflected in our context here today in the 21st century. The people invited into God's kingdom are not who you would expect. It isn't the righteous and the close to God who are invited. God is calling for the lame. God is calling for the blind. God is calling for the poor and the crippled. Everyone you wouldn't expect. Everyone you never thought would have responded To the invitation. There are people among us today who need us to show them that they are welcome in the kingdom of God. That salvation is for them. And I'm talking about just in this building here. Salvation is for them. That Jesus died for them. And there are even an even greater number of people out there, out in the wide open world, who need to hear the same message as well. That salvation is for them too. That Jesus died for them too. That God accepts them just as they are too. Maybe this message is sounding too hard for for some of you. I mean, maybe this is easy and you you do it all the time, in which case I'd say, good job, I could never. Um, I mean, I'm kind of sounding like I have to now, don't I? But, uh, you know, just in my little introverted mind, that sounds pretty impossible. Maybe I am just preaching to myself this morning and over the last couple of weeks as I've prepared this because I didn't know, because I know that I don't do this with uh, the people in my life as well. But if we are to imitate the ways of Jesus, the acceptance that Jesus shows to everyone in his life, then we need to follow Jesus' example. Not just sharing our life with ourselves and 12 other friends, but giving opportunity to have fellowship with God to everyone in our lives, especially the least likely, especially the least likely. Who we accept exposes who we think God accepts. Who we accept exposes who we think God accepts. this week, I want to challenge you to think about who you might share a meal with, or a coffee, or a cup of tea with. Who you would genuinely share your life with in the same way that Jesus does in the Gospels. There might be someone, as I've been speaking, that has come to your mind, that you've already thought of. Um, I know when I was preparing this message, there were many people who kept coming to my mind. My friends that don't know Jesus that I play video games with, basically every single night. Old youth boys that that have moved on in life. Sorry a couple of my workmates at work. Some of those are people that, in my mind, are so, so far away. So who might that be for you? And and this is gonna be the, the difficult bit, once you've thought of that person, once you've got that person in mind, actually inviting them to share in a meal, actually inviting them to share in a coffee, share in your life, actually showing them that God accepts them. Because you you accept them. To meet them where they are at. the reason that we, that we do that, the reason that we get to show them that they are accepted because God accepts them, is because Jesus has done the same for us. There's one last meal that I want to draw your attention to this morning, and it's the meal that Jesus shares with his disciples before he goes to the cross to be crucified. The meal in the upper room where he initiated the Lord's Supper, his last supper with his friends, where he described to them what was about to happen. And the bread that he shared with them was his body broken for them just 24 hours ahead. The wine that he shared with them, his blood shed on their behalf, just would happen in 24 hours. So that all of us, and when we take communion, that's what we share in. We share in that last supper. We share in this invitation This cosmic invitation, if you you want, I don't know whether you like the word cosmic or not, I kind of like it. Cosmic invitation to share in the gospel so that all of us might have an opportunity to meet with God. Romans 5 verse 8, God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were unlikely, Christian sitting there in the pew who's been a Christian for 20-odd years, just describe myself. While you were unlikely and unfit for heaven, Christ died so that you might meet God. While you were blind and while you were far off from God, Christ died so that you might be brought near, that you might be close again, or at least have that opportunity to be close again. As we think about those unlikely people that we're going to share our lives with, And in the next couple of weeks, I would hope, may God remind us that we too were once unlikely. We too once thought that God's love wasn't for us until someone showed that to us, until someone let us know that we were accepted too. Let me just pray as as I close. Saviour of sinners, we thank you for saving us. We thank you for the freedom that we have in you, the acceptance that we find in you. God, would you keep that on our mind as we go out to the people who are far off this week, the people who are unlikely this week that we know of. God, would you keep them on our mind as we pray for them? Would you keep them on our mind as we are eating dinner with them and sharing life with them? Would you help us to show your acceptance through our acceptance. And show the world your acceptance through our acceptance. God, would you go with us? We know we can't do this on our own. Would you be with us this week as we put your words, your works, and your ways into action? In your mighty, mighty, precious name,